What is identity theft? How do thieves steal an identity? How can you prevent this from happening? And what do you do if it does happen? Join us today as I interview Katie Kohling, Senior Counsel for Thrivent Financial within Thrivent Financial's General Counsel Office. She serves as Thrivent Financial's Privacy, Anti-Money Laundering and Identity Theft Officer and manager of its special investigation unit. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. I want to welcome Katie Kohling. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Katie. Oh, thank you, Kay, for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Well, it sounds like it's a topic that you're well Uh, involved with and knowledgeable about as a lawyer that's in charge of all of those things. It was hard for me to read all those things. And I'm so thankful that uh, you are willing to be our guest today. So let's start with the what is identity theft, Katie? Well, identity theft occurs when someone uses your identifying information. You know, it's okay if you think about your name, your social security number, your credit card information, And and they use it without your permission to commit acts of fraud or crime. And and they do so to either step in the place of you or to take your information and use it to get other things about you or your money. So how do thieves steal an identity? What are some of the ways that this happens? There's a lot of common ways uh, that identity thieves will try to take the information. Um, There's things that are... Old-fashioned stealing, meaning like they take your wallet, they take your purse. You know, we see that in a lot of you know older movies. Mm-hmm. But today's type of identity theft has gotten a little bit more tricky. Um, if we think of things that are like phishing, and, and this is a term that is, is generally known within you know the environment, but phishing really refers to someone who or an individual or a company that would send you an email or send you um, spam, for example that looks just like, for example, your bank company. So mm-hmm. if you think you bank with like a bank one or someone, and the email looks as though it's legitimately coming from that company, but it's actually a fraudulent email. And that fraudster is trying to get you to enter in your password, your account information, so that they can take it. And the thieves are phishing for information. That's why it's called phishing. Mm-hmm. That's more of a technical type of identity theft that has started to occur. Other types of things that they do are stealing your credit or debit account numbers by using different types of devices that process your card. So they call that skimming, and Mm -hmm. we've seen that in the news recently. Um, Other things they do is they change your address. Simple things like just changing your address to divert your statements or other information you get to come to them. So there's all different ways in which they are doing it today. Mm. And, of course, we also talk about making sure we shred papers because they do go through trash, don't they? They do. They do. They dumpster dive. They'll go through the recycling pile. Um, All of that information that they can get to, whether it's easily accessible to them or if they have to do something, you know, more advanced to try to get to it. So it's all across the board. Wow. And you probably deal with all of these types of things all the time in your position, don't you? Yes. Um, you know, a law was passed uh, a few years ago called the Identity Theft Red Flags Rule, 
which requires financial institutions to have a program so that individuals can call into their financial institution or other places to alert them of the fact that their identity may have been stolen. It allows them to call in and put protections on their accounts with all their financial institutions just in case the fraudster tries to get at their accounts. Mm -hmm. So a good example that you just talked about, if someone dumpster dives or you know, takes information from my mailbox and I have found out about it, you can call your financial institutions and have them put passwords on your account or make sure those accounts are not having monies or other things happening to them. Good, good. Well, what else can we do to prevent identity theft, Katie? Well, there's lots of things. Um, and some of them, surprisingly, are very, very simple. They're, very, they're common sense things, um, which, which makes it, it, it great as an individual to start to assert you know, protections yourself. And and the number one best way that I tell people is to monitor your accounts. Mm. So when you get your bank statements, when you get your account information, take a moment to check it. Take a moment to look through it and say, is this a charge that I recall making? Um, If you have a family card where multiple people use it in the family, ask that other family member if this is really something that they had a charge on the credit card for. Mm Um, I do this with my husband all the time. Me too. <laughs> get Me a credit too. card statement, <laughs> and I see something, and I say, did you make a charge at so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Just to make sure, because, you know, this has happened to us personally in the past, as has it, I'm sure, uh, many of the listeners, where you find a charge on your credit card that you didn't make. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something not only, you know, to make sure you're paying correctly, but then to make sure that it doesn't repetitively happen for you or others. Yeah. Um, The other thing I look at is my bank statements, uh, your checking account, your savings account. And those are things that we probably more regularly use and look at. The items that I also would alert people to looking at is your other financial accounts that you don't pay attention to very often. Mm -hmm. So if you've set up, let's say, a money market or an annuity or something else that has funds in it, that you kind of just leave there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're paying your premium, you're paying your contribution, you're just letting it sit. Those are other accounts that you should look at from time to time because if someone got your identity, they would then have access potentially to all of those accounts. And if you're not looking at them, mm-hmm. you may not know that they've been, you know, liquidated. Mm-hmm. Is that, that makes a lot of sense, I mean, to a lot of people out there where we just have things flowing the way we need them to. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we talk about, too, is looking for different kinds of protections you can put in place at your financial institutions. Like I talked about before, putting a password on their account, making sure you change your passwords mm-hmm. from time to time, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you have all the information you know, not out in the open. So don't put your password and ID on a Post-it mm-hmm. in front of your computer. Mm-hmm. On top of your wallet, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that, simple things. Don't carry around your Social Security card in your wallet. Uh, th- there's a lot of simple tasks or sim- simple things that we can do to protect our own identity. Good. Uh, one of the things that I uh, saw in the paperwork was for us to make copies of both sides of all of our credit cards. And we had not done that. I said to my husband, that's so easy. Um, Why is that helpful? 
Well, what has happened recently is to protect your identity, a lot of companies have been sending statements with not the whole number on them. So if you think of overtime, you wouldn't have to take a copy of it because you'd have the full number on all of your statements. So you could always, if you retained those, you could look the number up then if Mm -hmm. something happened. Because financial institutions have been making sure not to send you mail with the full number, just in case your mail got intercepted, you may not have the full number any longer if your card gets stolen. And in order to call in the credit card company or to alert authorities or other companies, you would have to have the full number, not just the last four, for example. So one of the things we recommend is to make a copy. And obviously, if you make a copy of it stored in a secure place, um, but then you would have that available to you in the case that you would have to report a criminal act or something mm. happening. That's, that's excellent. What about credit bureaus? Are we supposed to check those or not? Oh, yes. That, that is something that we recommend that you do every year. Um, you can get your information from three of the credit reporting bureaus. Um, there's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Um, you can get one free every year. And the ability to look at that helps you out because you can see what different accounts have been taken out in your name. Oh. And we've heard a lot of stories in the news from people where they go and they check their credit report and there's a lot of different things that have been taken out in their name mm. that they're not familiar with. Um, this, you know, We think about, well, geez, if it's not my money being used, then why would I care? Um, they could do things with your identity um, from a criminal record perspective, from a credit report perspective. Mm. So if you think about taking out a loan, what do they check? They check your credit report to see if you can get that loan. If someone has taken out multiple accounts in your name and then they have not you know, made good on all of those accounts, your credit number will be changed. And that would prevent you later being able to get the loan or the other things that you want for your family. Wow. wow. Well, I, I know that some of our listeners may not have had this happen, but I think we need to talk about what to do if it does happen. Uh, you have a lot of information, and, and I want to mention uh, when I make announcements, I will be sharing Thrivent's telephone number for any of our listeners that are, are looking for a, a financial agency that is up on all of these things and can help them because Thrivent Financial is a faith-based ministry and uh, uh, we will give that number. So just get that pencil handy if you're looking or wanting more information. A lot of this information is also available on their website. Katie, is it available for those that are not members? Mm -hmm. It's out on our public website on www.thrivent.com. And if you click on the the footer that's privacy and security at the bottom, all of this information is available to them. That's great. That's really very, very helpful. Well, what do we do when it happens to us, depending on the severity of it? Um, I usually tell people first, take a deep breath. Mm. It's sometimes an overwhelming situation. Um, Obviously, you've heard about it. It can be impacting from a life and a financial perspective. So first, take a pause. And then the next thing I would do is um, there's a set of things that we also have out on the website. It's a checklist, but I can run through a bunch of those. Sure. They're very important. Um, one of the first things you're going to want to do is 
report the fraudulent activity immediately to the financial institution that's impacted. So for example, if for some reason you notice that there's an inappropriate charge on your credit card, you contact the credit card company mm -hmm. immediately. All the credit card companies have processes for this today. If it's a financial institution, such as a bank or an insurance company like Thrivent, then you would report the fraudulent activity to that financial institution. You can either contact their call center or the department that they've noted on their website or in other correspondence you've received. The second step is really to contact all the other financial institutions, fraud you know, departments, where the accounts may be compromised. So if you find generally that your information has been taken and it's not specific to a, different, you know, a certain account, it's a good idea then to go around to all of those. And what you would want to do is alleviate yourself of the different controls that they provide, meaning have them place passwords on your account. Mm. If you have an online account, change your password. You have the ability to do that on you know, all of the websites that you log into. The other thing we tell people to do is if you don't have an online account with a financial institution and someone could access your information online, take the effort to register. Because what that does is that allows you to make sure that you only know the password and ID for that account and someone can't pretend to be you and register in your name and oh. do other transactions. So let me clarify, my husband and I never want to do it online because mm -hmm. of that. Are you saying someone else could be doing it and because we're not checking it online, there could be someone accessing it? It depends on what that financial institution allows you to do. Uh -huh. What we would look at is if they had stolen, for example, all of the information about you. So they have your financial account number, they have your social security number, they have your name, your address, they have everything about you to authenticate. So in essence, they could be you. Mm. And they go to a website, and, they, and you haven't registered on that website. They could register as you potentially, mm. depending on the controls of that institution. And then depending on what they permit them to do on that website, that would then allow them to commit fraud. Wow. So what we like to tell people is if you haven't registered, either lock that account and don't allow transactions to occur that way, because if you're not going to check it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or we would have you register. Just take the simple task of registering because then you know the password and ID and the fraudster doesn't. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. I want to make a few announcements and then we'll continue talking about what we need to do sure. if this happens to us. Each week, Family Shield offers a booklet or resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering Forgiveness is a Choice. To receive the booklet at no charge, call our response center at 1-877-317-4326. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call 1-800-847-4836 to learn more. Remember, you must contact them annually to let them know where you want your choice dollars to be donated. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Tell us how the program has impacted you and your family. Submit prayer requests or send a donation to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 
230015 St. Louis, Missouri 63123. Remember also that we have an archive page where you can hear our past programs and you can sign up to receive our email newsletter on our website www familyshieldministries.com. I want to return to my guest, Katie uh, Coling of Thrivent Financial. She serves as the Thrivent Privacy, Anti-Money Laundering and Identity Theft Officer and Manager of the Special Investigation Unit. So you can understand that she works in this area every day, and I'm sure she has great stories to share, although they probably aren't great. They're probably very upsetting. I, um, uh, Katie, told you on a telephone conference call we had that after our youngest son passed away, he was 32 years old, the next year we uh, declared him because he had been living with us and, and wasn't working because he had cancer, and someone had taken his Social Security number. So I went through a lot of this. It was so time-consuming. Mm-hmm. All of the details. So tell us more about what we need to do to make sure this doesn't happen, or if it does, what we need to do to make sure that our identity is safe. So, Kay, we talked about contacting those financial institutions. The other thing that you'll want to do is if you feel that it was a criminal you know, intent or a crime, you would contact your local police. Uh, the, the local police can assist you in some of these situations. And the other thing that you can do is you can contact the, the FTC with the Federal Trade Commission. Mm-hmm. They have a, an entire page on their website about this. That, that's a helpful tool also to go to their website, and they have a step-by-step way of handling some of these situations. You know, as you noted, um, this can happen to the young, and it can happen to the old, and it can happen to the deceased. Mm-hmm. So, again, the best way to look at this is to make sure that you are educating your family members, that you're educating yourself Mm -hmm. about what to do, and you're monitoring the financial situation and the activities that are going on um, to make sure that you understand, you know, what is happening and and what is actually, you know, out there about you. So one of the other things you can do is to contact the major credit reporting agencies You know, we talked about contacting them to get your annual report. They can also assist you in making sure that what's on your report is accurate. And they can also help you with making sure that people can't take out accounts in your name. Um, For example, my husband and I have locked our credit Mm -hmm. accounts so that if we wanted to go open another account or take a loan, we'd have to make the effort of unlocking it. And what does that mean, Katie, to lock it? What it means is that if, for example, I'll give you an example. We went um, to get a car loan for a car. Let's say, for example, we wanted to go do that, and we had locked our accounts. They cannot check our credit in order to take out that loan Mm -hmm. until we make the effort to contact these companies and unlock our account so that they can check our credit. Okay, that makes sense. It just means a little extra work, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. A little extra work, but um, after you've had your identity stolen or after you've had or seen the situations of others, it's that extra protection that might make you feel more secure. Sure, I'm sure. You bet. And you see this every day, Katie, do you not? Um, We do see this activity where our members have been victims of identity theft on the on the part of another. 
so someone in their community or a family member. Um, as you've seen in the news, other, um, as they say, bad guys that steal credit card information. And what we do is we provide a service um, so that they can call us and make sure that their accounts here have passwords and that they have the appropriate protection. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that we watch is for um, our members being exploited or scammed by others. You know, so one of the things that we've talked about previously, Kay, is the, the phishing schemes or yes. the scams that mm-hmm. show up in email and making sure that, um, you know, the young and the old understand how to identify those. So if you see an email from another country or someone asking you to give them money, money. Mm-hmm. that that is potentially not the appropriate person that you should be doing that with and, and working with them to understand that. Now, the uh, the, the phishing, uh, I believe this is uh, used to be done a lot on email. It, uh, recently, I had one of our prayer partners tell me that someone called her mm-hmm. uh, pretending to be one of her grandchildren stranded. This is the kind of thing used to be on emails. I'm stranded in England. I had it happen to me. And... Um, I need money. My suitcase was stolen. Now, you know, you'd think most people would know that that's not correct. But I had many people say to me, I, I was ready to send a check, okay, you know. And uh, But uh, this lady uh, had someone call her, and he she knew, they, the person knew her grandson's name, um, they probably had already done some research and probably knew a lot more. She finally did not give him any money, but they're getting much more bold, it sounds like to me. They are. They're getting smarter. Um, Some of the tips that I tell people with the email and with the phone, you know, when you get an email like that and you're not sure if it's legitimate, there's a few things that you can do. You can hover over the link. So don't click on the link. They want you to click on the link so that they can, you know, install something on your computer or they, or they get you to in, give information. If you hover over the link with the mouse, you can see if it's actually the true website. Hmm. And if you're not sure, close the browser. So click on the little X and reopen the window on, your web, on the web browser and type in your financial institution or the company's true website and see if you can actually get to the thing that was sent to you. Hmm. Or you can always contact them by phone. Never never be fearful to pick up the phone and call them and say, are you trying to contact me? Um, the other thing to look for in those types of emails is sometimes the spelling's not always right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, there's a sense of urgency, like you must, must, must do this, right, mm-hmm. immediately. And they're also asking you for very sensitive information under you know, the rise of a, a quick email. Yeah. Those are things that generally financial institutions obviously do not do. Okay. Um, over the phone, if you're not sure if it's actually the person that you're talking to is accurate, ask, hang up, and then call them back on the phone number you know. Oh. So, for example, if this was her granddaughter and she had her granddaughter's cell phone, you know, say, you know, that's great, honey. Give me a moment. You know, I'll hang up and I'll call you back. Okay. Yes. Right? Um, there's always this ability to use your, your what you call your, your gut, right? And, and think about, does this feel right? Does this connect with what I know? Mm-hmm. And so there are a few things that you can do. If she 
you know, in these types of cases, the other thing that we like to tell people is if you're uncertain also, um, you can have the local police involved. Mm. You know, we've had a few situations where um, individuals, in, you know, in a certain age group are getting pried on by others. When we get the local police involved, that always helps. They can yeah. start to assist those individuals and make sure that they're being protected appropriately and that these people aren't trying to contact them. Good. Now, you also talk about keeping a log of all conversations and uh, uh, certified mail. Talk about why that is necessary. The reason that we're asking people to do that is because then it helps figure out where it's coming from. So, for example, part of it is identifying that it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying to say, okay, this is happening to you. But then if you keep a log of the activity, it also helps us figure out how to stop it. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, we get a call and they say, you know, I got called by um, a, cer- a certain agency or an individual and I got called by them, you know, three times over the past few weeks. If you start to write down when that happens, because stories always evolve, right, as mm-hmm. you're communicating them, mm-hmm. The accuracy of the fact that they actually only they actually called three times in the past two days is very important to trying to narrow down exactly what happened. So that's helpful to us. That's helpful to the police, and it's helpful in understanding what happened in your in the situation where things were occurring. Okay, Katie, we have about two minutes left. Okay. So there's lots more, but you share um, more uh, information for our listeners in that time that we have. Sure. I think what I'd like to do, Kate, is go through some of the top things okay. that people should really do. So in the short period of time, what, what, would you, what, what is important for you to understand? You know, I think from a protection perspective, be your own advocate. So make sure that you're changing and setting your passwords. Make sure you're checking your accounts regularly. You know, make sure you're protecting your personal information and giving it out only when someone really needs it. You know, so question if someone's asking for information that you don't think they should have. Make sure that when you get emails or phone calls like we just talked about, if you don't identify those and you're not understanding whether they're accurate or not, don't click on those links. Hover over them or call the company back. Like we talked about with your friend, if there's a phone call that just doesn't seem right, hang up and call back at the number that you know. Don't let applications or different websites store your information. It's easy for you to put in all your financial information and then you know, have that ready to go when you want to purchase something. But if something happens with that website, your credit card information then is not secure. Okay. So the best thing there would be just to make sure you don't save it in there and retype it every time. All right, good. Uh, my guest, again, has been Katie We thank her for helping us learn how to identify identity theft. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about us at www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening and God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.